All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 169. Nice. The DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Enjoyed the nice reference. Way to go. Yeah, I got a slide. Okay, boomer. (laughs) Hey, it's all fun, man. It's all fun. Uh, well, there's lots to discuss uh, on the uh, on the pod today. I, we have to start with just the debacle that is the Boston Bruins off ice decisions and, and management specifically with uh, with Mitchell Miller. They sign him now. They they walk it back uh, in between. Some of their own players are like, "We're not really sure we're onto this." Don Sweeney even admitted, "Well, I'm not sure this is the best decision." Uh, then Gary Bettman comes out and says, "At this point, uh, there's no chance he's going to play." in the National Hockey League. And um, today, Mitch, uh, sorry, Cam Neely has a press conference and they're like, well, new information. There's no new information unless the Boston Bruins, to them, it's new information, which means they never actually did a thorough or even remotely uh, deep dive interview and background check on Miller. Because I, I'm sure, Frank, you, you saw the uh, the comments from Isaiah's father over the weekend that really outlined this situation that was far from a one-time thing and happened for many, many years. Idi- idiocy. That's the only thing I can come up with. Hubris, arrogance, and idiocy. Because the Boston Bruins, this was a total unforced error. 
Like think about all those things that you outlined then to do it while your team's 10 and one and flying into the media hub of the sport in Toronto for hockey night in Canada. How dumb, how dumb. And it just speaks to the pressure that these teams and pretzels that they twist themselves into because, you know, you think about it, your, your own players told you like, yeah, I'm not sure about this. Like, this why that was the question that they asked on Sweeney. Why, why would we do this? And the way the Bruins, I think rationalized it was one. They, they didn't do any of their own homework. Clearly they didn't do any independent work. They purely listened to what Mitchell Miller and his agent said and took it at face value Two, um, they, they didn't do any homework with the league quite clearly, because maybe this is a player that wouldn't be eligible. And three, they they twisted themselves into a pretzel thinking, if we don't do it, someone else will. And my answer to that always is, go ahead. Let someone else do that. Like, why did Mitchell Miller need to get, why did, what, what made them think that he earned an NHL contract? Why didn't, if they wanted to sign him so badly, why didn't they sign him to an AHL deal? Why didn't they sign him to an AHL contract and say, you're going to start in the ECHL and you're going to work your way up from the very bottom. Instead, they gave him a contract with max bonuses. Like he got the maximum of what you can get on an entry level contract. Why? What made them think that he earned it? The whole thing, I, I cannot express how big of a blunder this was the spoked B today is missing a spoke. It's been lopped off. Oh, yeah. There's there's very little to like about it. And, and all, all the the abuse, and let's call it, and bullying that uh, Isaiah Meyer Crothers had to endure. Basically, this goes back, according to his father, from grade one and two. when the fir- In grade one and two, when Miller supposedly called him the N-word. Right. And, and it just built from there. And so, you know, you look at Miller, but then you look at, the, you know, this coach Noreen who was like, ah, no, you know what? Uh, his, his actions have nothing to do with hockey. And then um, Miller's own parents um, in, in that in that long article saying, wow, come on, you know, it's boys being boys and they're young. And I was stunned at how many people are so quick to just say, well, he was 14. Hey, Frank, I remember being 14. I wasn't calling kids the N word. I wasn't bullying them. I wasn't, I wasn't sticking any- lollipops in urinals and making yeah, and them lick it up for disabled kids. Way, and, and then to never, ever apologize and try it on a Snapchat, which last night, now I'm not a Snapchat. And he waited till last week after he knew the Bruins were signing him to do it. Does that show any remorse? And oh. the way that the agent was touting, well, he's done all this volunteer work, that was picked apart on social media. Reporters and fans found the information from the county in Ohio that showed that it it wasn't volunteer work. It was court-mandated service. Yes. Based on being convicted in juvenile court. That's that doesn't you don't tout that as volunteer work. That's not volunteer work. And then the Carnegie Initiative coming out and saying, well, you know, we were considering working with Mitchell Miller, but we're not, and his agent touting it. And the other thing his agent put in the statement was. Hockey equality. That's not even really an arm's length participation because Anthony Stewart runs hockey equality, the uh, Sportsnet analyst, and he also works for O2K management, which is Eustace King's agency. So that's that's not 
activism or work in the community. That's not bettering yourself. That is a bunch of fluff. It's, it's, it's shit piled higher and higher is what it is. It's amazing. It shows you how many people in Miller's circle did everything to enable this action. They, you know what? Uh, is, is their family racist? I have no idea. But it sure looks like they didn't want to denounce racism. That's what we can claim here. Um, using the N-word constantly from a young, like grade one and two. I'll tell you right now, if my son ever said that, we'd have a strong chat with my son who's eight years of age. Like there's just certain things you don't do. You teach kids at a young age. And so, you know, this is this is Miller himself. It's his whole family. It's his agent. It's everybody in there. It's the Bruins. Where's the Bruins, oh, the Bruins leadership too. here? The Bruins. Oh, don't get me wrong. The Bruins. But there's so many people here. They sold their souls up. to do this. Oh, it's terrible. And 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 I I found it particularly interesting and intriguing that that Don Sweeney was the guy on Friday who was tasked with taking the bullets. He seemed hesitant saying you hit on it. He said, I cannot categorically say that this is the right thing. That's the general manager saying it. Does it feel like at all? He was put up to making this happen because Cam Neely was the guy on Sunday uh, with the statement and the press conference on Monday. He lasted a grand total of 48 hours before the second team in the NHL had to renounce itself from the player. And the wild thing is people were saying, oh, well, maybe Mitchell Miller, you know, could have found a way to fly under the radar a little bit. And this would have worked in another market on a team where there's not as much attention. And I'd say like what the Arizona Coyotes. It didn't work there. Yeah. Didn't work there, Frank. Bingo. Like grab a, grab a clue. When you know what had had he actually shown some serious remorse, everybody's given a second chance. There, you know what that happens in life, right? People go to jail for murder and they get out and they're they're given an opportunity to do their crime. He did nothing, right? To to never you had all these years to wake up and you know we can say oh it happened when he's fourteen. He's not fourteen anymore. You're growing. You're growing, man. You're an adult I, now. You can look and say, you know what? I want to show remorse, and then people might be like, okay, here's some actions. Let's see actual remorse that you've done, and then maybe I bet you, Frank, had he done that for the last few years, I bet you he would have been able to be signed. I have been a big proponent on this show and everywhere consistently that I'm a believer in second chances. Yep. I had said that I did not have any issue with the Oilers bringing in Jake Vertanen on a, on a tryout this year. Jake Vertanen went through the process, not saying he's innocent, but he went through a jury process in, in BC court and was found not guilty. He has the right to earn a living. Mitchell Miller, I'm not, not comparing, I'm just saying to, to highlight that I do believe in second chances. But when you show no remorse, mm-hmm. when you everything that you do is performative and you've shown no change, I, I just I don't think you have a right to earn a living in the NHL as a player or in hockey. I just don't. I'm sorry. There's no place for that. And and you know what? The league, every every single entity involved should wear the stink. Because I saw people out here congratulating Gary Bettman and what he said saying, you know, finally the league steps forward. Don't, don't even no, they go there. The contract. Exactly. They registered the contract that came through central registry. 
They're just as much to blame for anyone. And in fact, they tried to turn around and dump it on the Bruins after the fact, which I thought was weaselly in itself. Yeah. Yeah. They're the, you know what? I, I really, the, the people I feel the, the most sorry for still again, is that, you know, Isaiah and his family have to live through this all again. Right. But it guess what? Up. The Bruins have done nothing to help that. Yeah, they, exactly. So they messed up. And on Sunday, if I was Cam Neely and I was, you know, making this decision to show some real leadership, yeah, call, reach out, call his family. As of 10 o'clock last night, Fluto Shinzawa wrote it in the athletic. The Bruins made the decision to cut ties with Mitchell Miller at nine. Still no call to Isaiah Maya Crothers or his family today. There was a tweet and he said in his press conference today, I would like to apologize to Isaiah Mike or others and his family. He shouldn't continue to go through this. How about you? You, you drug all this up again. How about you get on the phone and, and, and actually make a contrite apology because that wasn't right. No, it was awful. Why does this kid need to relive it over and over again? Yeah. So, um, you know what? Uh, hey, maybe this will be the wake-up call for uh, the Miller and the, their supporting group to make a decision. Guess what? He screwed up. You helped enable him for a long time. He kept telling him it wasn't a big deal because you obviously didn't punish him. And uh, maybe now you have to recognize the error of your ways. I'm not. I I, I don't I hate to be that person that that is like fired up and I don't feign outrage. Like this this whole story, it was it was so unnecessary and so unforced. It makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. It was, uh, you know, it's one, and I think it's a reminder for a lot. All those people online are like, oh, he's 14. St- stop finding excuses for asshole actions, okay? Stop it. We just have to stop that as a side. Oh, well, geez, you didn't even know. You know, most people were commenting without even knowing, right? That's one thing if you're an anonymous tweeter. It's another thing if you're an NHL organization and league and didn't do your due diligence when you claim you're going to. You had all can, this time. It wasn't like there was this, oh, geez, there's a deadline on when we have to sign Mitchell Miller. Oh, my goodness, we got to get this done. Like, it just illustrates you still that while there are people that love to talk, actions always speak louder than words. And the actions from the league, Frank, as you and I both said, they, they, they accepted the contract. And the Boston Bruins... And, and supposedly Don Sweeney, well, there was other teams who were going to sign him. So I don't think it's just the Bruins. The Bruins were just the the ones in the end that were dumb enough to actually sign him. Well, they were, as I said, they twisted themselves into thinking, well, hurry up. If we don't get it done, someone else will. Well, go ahead. Like I said, go let someone else do it and let someone else get have their organization be torched for it. Because I saw that pop into my inbox on Friday that press release and my jaw was on the floor. I cannot believe someone has the cojones to do that. And let alone to not put in the work. You would think that if they were going to go down this path, that they would be squeaky clean and have an answer for everything. And instead they had an answer for nothing because they did none of the work. Yeah. It's awful. Awful. And, and like you said, the players on the ice, Patrice Bergeron has to do a one-on-one with Elliot Friedman. And these guys are answering stuff about a player who's not even on their team who might, we, he might never play in the NHL, right? You don't know that just because you're a prospect. He's not even, that, uh, talk to some scouts. They think he's not even good. Yeah. They, he's not even good enough to warrant any of this. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? This I'm glad you mentioned Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron and, um, and the players in that Bruins room, Marshan, and actually the strongest 
without a doubt was Nick Felino in his comments. And he has the least standing in that room. Um, you know, given that he's only been there a couple of years, those guys have been there a long, long time. And, you know, Felino was strong. I think what it speaks to is the power that player, I think they're realizing since the Kyle Beach investigation and all of that unfolded, they're realizing the power of their voice. They sat silent for a long time. And I think they realized that if if you continue to do so, there's never going to be any change. Part of the reason the Bruins had to do this is because their own players didn't like it. And look at Felino. This guy, him and his wife, they have a track record. You want, you want to talk, Frank, about people who give back to the community and do stuff in the community. Nick Felino is at the top of the list. It's All those guys are. Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Right? Like, the squeakiest guys, of the clean, and, yes. and they've done all of that. They've lived it. Yeah, talk the talk and walk the walk. That's what those Why guys do we do. want that stench around our team? Yeah. So I, I do wonder if that had anything to do with, you know, Bruins, I guess eventually you're going to lose a game, but I, I really wonder if they didn't put their best performance there. Cause they're just, they're upset as a group. And now we'll see uh, how they go forward. Uh, we'll get to some, uh, some on ice stuff, Frank. Um, I want to ask you now, it's, it's still very early in the season, 12 games, right? We're not even at like one seventh, just, just under one seventh of the season. Are you a believer in the new Jersey devils? I am. There's a reason why we had their GM and Tom Fitzgerald on the pod last week to talk about their start. You can go back and listen to it. It was episode 167 if you missed it. I like the way their defense is constructed. They're efficient in their own end. They've got some true superstars in the making up front with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer is an excellent player. And I love Jesper Bratt. And they found a way to keep the puck out of their net, which I would have bet the New Jersey Devils would have been a playoff team last season had they gotten 900 save percentage goaltending. Okay. Well, I'll say this. Eisen Siegenthaler is one of the most underrated defensemen in the game. If you're watching the Devils, watch 71. Oh, my goodness. Is he a good player? On the back end, who no one really talks about. Obviously, you know, you got Dougie Hamilton, and, you know, he's a big name, and they got other guys. But I'm telling you, that's the guy that, that I saw in both the Edmonton and the Calgary games, and I was thoroughly impressed by his ability to skate and his ability to defend. And, the, the like, they move the puck very quickly, right? I, I'm still concerned, and, hey, it's the first year. You've only made the playoffs once in a decade. you got to start with steps. And if the Devils make the playoffs, that's a key step. The next step for them will be diversifying their top six. I think if you get into a seven-game series against the same team and you have that small of forwards, that is going to be a challenge. That's the one thing they've got to improve on. But they play fast. Uh, uh, Vitek Vanasek in the Edmonton game, when they were trailing 3-1, to one, he made a boatload of huge stops. So that game would have been 4-5-1, to one, and then that allowed the Devils to come back and, and win the game. And, and if he gives them goaltending like that, then, yeah, the, uh, the Devils could be a playoff team for sure. Like, they look really good early on. They started well last year, but just it seems a little bit more legit this year. So I was just doing the math quickly while you were mentioning all that. And their team save percentage last year was 886. If they got 900, which is still below league average, they would have given up 45 fewer goals. Big difference. 45 goals. <laughs> That's how bad their goaltending was last year. Yeah. And that's still below league average. I think league average last year was 904. Mm-hmm. Had they gotten 904 save percentage last year, 
they would have allowed uh, 50... 51? 61 fewer goals. 61 fewer goals. I don't know if it's going to jump up 15 goals every point four. Right. If you were at 46 for 900, I don't think it jumps to 61 for 0.4. But I see your point. Let's say it's 50, whatever it is. But it's going to be a lot. And um, goaltending matters in the NHL. There's no question about it. And um, I know that they were, that, you know what, the, the first two games of the season, maybe they didn't get great goaltending, what have you. But, man, uh, Vanasek, you know, that trade, it's looking pretty good, especially with the the injury that they have in goal. So I'm buying the Devils. What about the Kraken? The Seattle Kraken sit right now. Currently, they, they are tied for the six most points in the National Hockey League uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, I should say. Um, are you a believer in the Red Wings or the Kraken? Man, the Red Wings have sort of been all over the place this season, haven't they? They've had some really bad losses. Um, and yet they're 7-3-2. and two. Um, I would say I'm a believer in the Red Wings and their process. I thought the Kraken might bounce back just purely based on the, like the goaltending alone. Like Their goaltending was even worse than the Devils last year. They, I think they were at 880. And 880 is the worst that any team has been in 30 years. So it, had they just gotten a modicum of that, like a modicum uptick, they'd, they'd be higher in the standings. But I think that overlooks and undersells the changes that Seattle made up front with the three Bs. Burakovsky, Beniers, and um, I'm blanking on the third guy. Um, Burakstrand. Bjorkstrand, what a, what a trade that was. Honestly, there's the trade of the summer that no one talked about. They got him for peanuts because the Columbus Blue Jackets were backed into a corner after signing Johnny Gaudreau. And those three guys have made a difference. I guess where I'm not necessarily a believer in the Kraken is that they've still got a long ways to go, I think. And they're going to, if they're truly sticking to the plan then they're going to be plucking pieces off their roster as the season goes along because it's really about three to five years from now, not this year. The tough part in walking that line, I would say, is if you're Ron Francis, you got to make a dent in your marketplace. Like fans that paid all this money for season tickets, you know, they, they need to get something of it. They need to see some competitiveness on the ice. And if you're not giving them that, and saying, well, it's only about three to five years from now, it's really tough for people to stay engaged. So he's got an interesting line to walk, whereas Detroit, if they can just hang on and and squeak into the playoffs. Remember we had Derek Lalonde on before the season started, their new coach, and he said, you know, this season will be a success if the Detroit Red Wings are playing meaningful games in March. I think that's well within their sights. I think they've got a lot of the positional boxes checked like they're set in goal they've got huso they've got kosa on the way they've got nadelkovic on the back end they could use some depth and up front they're way smarter and tougher to play against so um they've got some interesting inflection points this year what do you do with dylan larkin in the final year of his deal but other than that like that team is like set to motor on forward and hey lucas raymond you don't you don't see 
you know, skill guys hitting skill guys with clean hits, man. But uh, Raymond uh, catching Matt Barzell with a very clean hit. And Barzell bounced right back up. It wasn't hard. It wasn't dirty at all. But uh, there's two things there. A, I kind of like that Raymond, you know, knows how to deliver a clean body check. There's not a lot of guys who know how to do it. And then Mo Sider, who's, you know, your oh, rookie of the year, you're in that scrum, just and that guy people. comes flying in there all the time. I really kind of like the makeup of the Red Wings right now. They're they're an exciting team uh, to watch. You're right, Frank. they got lots of good pieces uh, in the right places. Uh, you know, I'll be curious about what Larkin's contract is going to look like uh, with them. And, you know, Kubalik's not going to score 15 points in 12 games. Like, he's, that pace is not no, going to continue. No, no, that's fair. But he 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 was a thirty goal rookie at age twenty four when he played with really good players in Chicago. Yeah. So maybe he has that ability to latch on to good players and and put up a number. But that's like one of those those signings that you're like, well, there's no risk there, right? Like like Chicago moves on from him because they're not keeping him and makes no sense. But holy smokes, like that was that was getting a player for free ninety nine. Oh, well, Kubelik's a skilled player, 100%, right? Um, well, you think about it. They add Kubelik and they add David Perron, and those guys are second and third in scoring on your team, right? Like, when, when you can bring in new players that make significant contributions to your team, you're, you suddenly your team's improving vastly. And they're doing this. Bertuzzi's out, right? So well, there's one of their guys who's but out. But also, Zadina is going to be out for the next, you know, number of months. Um Zadina was off to a really tough start, and I thought he was pure trade fodder anyway. But, like, they're also doing this with a pretty slow start for Andrew Kopp. Like, he's not going to struggle like that all year. He's such a smart player. And sometimes it's hard, I think, for guys like Kopp that go home. You know, it's, it's maybe a little bit of an adjustment. You know, he's an Ann Arbor kid. To go back to Michigan and play at home, it's not always easy. No, well, for lots of guys to get comfortable in your new city for the first time, like I'm sure he's putting more pressure on himself, even though he doesn't want to and you tell yourself not to, you get caught up in that. So uh, I'm sure that's it. But, you know, there's lots of reasons why Detroit, like I thought Detroit would trend the right direction. You know, the Buffalo Sabres are trending in the right direction. That division is infinitely more competitive this year. Obviously it was going to be like last year was kind of a joke at, at the four and how much separation there was between them and the bottom four, you know, in Buffalo and uh, Detroit and, uh, uh, and of course, uh, who am I missing? I'm just drawing a blank right now. And and um, Buffalo and Detroit have closed Ottawa. up in that division for sure. You know, even Montreal is more competitive, right? Like they're not going to f- finish 35 points behind the fourth place team uh, in that division. You know, Ottawa. What's your What's your level of concern for the Sens? Well, Ottawa is. I thought, and I said at the start of the year, Frank, and having having seen it up close for many years. You can talk all you want about having great upside offensively. If you can't defend, it's going to be really difficult. And and I just thought their blue line in in Ottawa uh, was going to be a concern at times. You know, it's very young. Uh, Then you throw in the fact that, hey, the Josh Norris injury, that's a brutal injury for them, right? Like that's a real key guy for their team. You know, Cam Talbot was out for a bit. So now you bring it, you know, one of your veteran goalies, he's banged up. So, but I thought Ottawa, I saw a lot of the prognostications and I was like, yeah, Ottawa can improve. But I didn't think Ottawa was a playoff team strictly based on on their back end. And you you can have lots of firepower up front and potential. But if you don't have the back end, it's hard to win in the NHL. Like, that's why look at at Detroit, Mo Sider, anchor. Look at Buffalo, Darlene and Powers, right? Like, they got some young forwards. You're, You're selling some of the guys in Ottawa short. I think they're just off to a tough start. 
Well, I like Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat but... is an anchor. Eric Brandstrom has played the best hockey of his career, and I think is if he plays the way he started this season, is an easy, no doubt about a top four defenseman. They've got some other guys on their team that I think just haven't lived up to expectations to this point. Uh, yeah, but were the expectations realistic? Right. And, well, and I mean, other, I, I like thing, Frank, we're like we're talking about Jake Sanderson making his yeah, rookie to the NHL. Don't expect I, a rookie to be like. I, I think that's asking too much to think a rookie defender is going to come in and really solidify your defensive group. It's hard to play defense, and when I say that, not just defense. When you have a lot of skilled forwards, Frank, I think a lot of them aren't great defensively either. So it's team defense as much as it is just the defenseman himself. And Zub has a bit of that team defense aspect too. He's hurt. I like him. They're missing Josh Norris, a 35-goal scorer up front, gone. Like, I I, I think there's no question they need more support on the back end, but they have the foundational pieces. Like, why is Detroit's blue? Like, do you, if you're, if you're sizing it all up with Mo Sider and and all those guys, and you're looking at the, the Sens blue line, are you taking for the future Detroit's blue line over Ottawa? Future isn't today though. That's the difference, right? Like Heronics are really good defenseman, Frank. Right? Ben Sherratt, Oli Mata, like they've got more just veteran guys who know how to do it. I don't discount that Ottawa's is arrows pointing up for the future. I'm taking two- Ottawa's defense core. I would say by the balance of this season, I'm taking their defense core over Detroit's. Now, are you taking and for the future? Defense? What? Do you, think, do you think their forwards are as good defensively overall? That's to me, team defense is also your forwards. And no, they're not. There's a lot of skilled forwards who aren't necessarily great in their own zone. So they're definitely not. It's not that close. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm not surprised by Ottawa's struggles, is all I'm going to say. I didn't, I thought Ottawa was going to struggle a little bit um, defensively. And that's what they have, right? Like, obviously, I didn't predict Josh Norris. That's, that's why I said that's a huge blow. But, um, defensively, they also really goal. haven't gotten the goaltending. Yeah, well, Anton Fo- injury, sure. Yeah, Anton Forsberg has played nine of the eleven games, nine of the eleven starts, and he's sub nine hundred. Like, I'm sorry, like, but was that's he gonna- that proven? Like, were you going into the season saying, "Man, this guy's a lock"? I think too often. I'm not a goalie year. expert, but yeah. Mike McKenna would say yes. At nine seventeen last year, over forty four games or forty six games, yes. See, that's where I disagree. Not not that he couldn't do it, but it's too unpredictable. We see it every year. Look at Thatcher Demko. He's got 111 career games at 908. That's a pretty big sample size. Solid, but it's still goaltending, Frank, from year to year. It's volatile. You're the top five guys. It's it's not like you could say, hey, Forsberg's going to be great. Right. And so goaltending numbers are one thing, but there's still Ottawa gives up a lot of still they give up. Well, not a lot. They give up too many quality chances. And so, you know, till they reduce that, I think it's going to be a struggle for them. Doesn't mean they won't be good in the future, but good. Like how many years did we, did people think, Oh, this is the year Detroit takes a step. It took them a long time to finally take a step. Right. The New Jersey Devils made the playoffs once in 10 years. Right. Like people thought last year they're going to take a big step. And for a variety of reasons, they didn't. So I just I'm not surprised by Ottawa. They were the one team that I thought there was way too much hype for at the start of the season. Okay, so where do the Sens finish? I think they'll finish seventh in their division. 
Ahead of who? Montreal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, the thing is, like, all those teams will be improved, I think, for the most part on their point totals because there was such a massive differential between the top four and the bottom four. The gap will close, so they'll improve, but still, it's going to be hard-pressed for even Detroit or Buffalo to make the playoffs because you got Toronto and you got Tampa and you got Boston and you got Florida. That's a pretty I, top, I, good top four. I think the Sens are going to catch the Sabres. Hmm. Now, I haven't looked. Are the Sabres, like... The Sabres have played one more game, and they've got six more points. Yeah. Yeah, I like Buff. I just like... Man, Donnie Granato's got those guys playing well. Um, I don't think they're a playoff team yet either, but I just... I'll I'll say this. I will take, as a duo, I will take Darlene and Power over any duo in Ottawa on their blue line. Oh, I mean, uh, you really went out on a limb there, selecting two number one overall picks. Come on. Hey. Right, like, but that's the difference, right? Like, that's the I like Shabbat and Sanderson, but I don't like them as much as those two. Yeah. Now let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk for edition of fill in the blanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ooh, you guys are you guys are feisty today, hey? I need to come yeah, in and play okay. referee. It's good. <laughs> we had a nap on the weekend. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well rested, and uh, we're recording this what like an hour later than we usually do, so maybe everyone has a little bit more energy. Anyways, uh, let's get into fill in the blank as always delivered by our friends at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code Game Day twenty five to get you twenty five percent off and no delivery fees on your first order of fifteen dollars or more when you use the DoorDash app. Connor McDavid will play in career game number 500 tonight, and this is going to be talked about on Daily Faceoff Live, so a little plug for that as well, Monday to Friday, live at noon Eastern. But he's currently sitting at 722 points heading into game number 500. He will have blank by game 1,000. Jason? That's a good question. Um, well, his, his points per game has improved Um you know, so you look at over the next seven years, jeez, I'm going to say, so 725 times 2, 14. I'm going to say he's going to be at um, 
1,501. Oh, you bastard. I was going to say 1,500. <laughs> Dead even 1,500? Yes. Yeah. 1.5 points per game seems like right around that mark. Yeah, well, he's at 1.45 right now, and that includes, though, his rookie season, right, where obviously that was the lowest of his career. And because a lot of people say, well, if McDavid wouldn't have got hurt, he would be up quicker. No, he wouldn't because he wasn't going to score at the points per game in his first year that he is now, right? Yeah. So, um yeah, it's it's a mar- it's a mar- marvelous feat. It's also crazy when you think that. Uh, so he's got seven twenty two, right? So let's say he gets two points tonight, he'll end up with seven twenty four, which will be the uh, sixth most uh, through the first five hundred games of his career. Gretzky had eleven eighty six, and two point three seven points per game. Wow. He had four hundred forty eight goals. Like it's just nuts. So what's your answer, Frank? Fifteen hundred. Yeah. So that means in the next 500 games, he will jump from 232nd in all-time scoring all the way up to 15th in all-time scoring. He would be just in between Paul Coffey and Stan Mikita. Granted, Crosby and Ovechkin probably move Yeah, up some other well. guys will move up. Yeah. yeah, he'll be top 20, though, probably. Yep. Uh, all right, let's move along to some suspension talk. This is uh, your daily double, little Jeopardy style. Two answers for one question or something like that. The Anderson suspension was blank. The Kachuk suspension was blank, so just right, too much, too little. Frank? The Anderson suspension was just right, and the Kachuk suspension was too light. Interesting. Jay? What the hell is going on? We're totally agreeing. I wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, I, I thought Kachuk got off a little. I thought he was, well, you know what? It should have been an in-person hearing, in my opinion, and it should have been six games to say, you know what? You cannot stand there in the crease and try and poke like that is really dangerous. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not like one of those goalie union card carrying members where they, you know, are constantly whining about the spot goalies are in, but we've seen previously sticks getting lodged in that cat eye mask. Like you can quite literally carve a guy's eye out and it could be a total, you may not even be trying to do it. It could just get stuck. I just have, I think there's no room in the game for that. Yeah, that's fair. I, th- I thought it would be more than two. Like, Not a like, hockey play. Yeah, compare the two. There's no reason to have to make that play. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys 100%. Uh, Frank was reading your article on dailyfaceoff.com listing five potential goalie targets for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You had Jonathan Quick, Jonas Corposalo, James Reimer, Dan Vladar, and Anton Hudobin. Your third question and fill in the blank. The best trade target for the Leafs to go after is blank. Frank, I'll start with you, your article. I am going to say, hmm, I, I think, I, I think the Leafs are probably the most intrigued by Corpusallo, but I actually think the best fit for them is James Reimer. James Reimer, all that guy does is stop pucks, man. Yeah. He has never had a season. We were just talking about how volatile the p- position is. He's never had a season in his career under 900. Never. He's steady. He's good again on a bad team this year. And I don't want to hear any of the whining from Leafs fans about, oh, well, he was here before and he was the guy in net in 2013 against the Bruins in game seven. Like, what does what does that have to do with anything? He's a good goalie. Your team needs a calming and steady influence. And I don't see any reason why he couldn't be the guy. It's not like the acquisition price is crazy or the cap hit is crazy. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs need a goalie. I think he makes the most sense. 
Yeah, he would make the most sense, no question. Um, <clears throat> would the Sharks move him? Probably the most realistic one is, is maybe Corpus Allo. Um, I would argue I think the best one for them would be Dan Vladar, but I don't see Calgary trade him because I think Dan Vladar could turn out to be a pretty good goaltender for a long time yeah. uh, for them. But and he, you know, he just signed that contract, so he's he could be a he could be a really good value contract for the next few years at two million on a team that might be able to use him fifty times. He won't play that many games in Calgary, but I like Vladar. I just don't. I don't. I think it's the least likely. I think the Calgary Flames will want to keep him. I think the Flames would would entertain a trade. You think it eh? had to be a hell of a I, I, I think that's why you end up signing the contract, right? Like, isn't that your motivation aside? Like you, you get some security and you keep a guy that you know is pretty good um, to play in case, you know, Markstrom goes down, he could pick up the bulk of your work and it's a nice insurance policy to have, but isn't part of the idea too? like what happens if something happens somewhere else and someone gets desperate and has to trade. He's also the highest acquisition cost among those five guys, which I just, the Leafs don't have a ton of assets to make it happen. He makes sense. Um, I just, when I'm looking at it from, from the Leafs perspective, like you want that sweet spot, that combination of acquisition cost cap hit and, and play. Like, why wouldn't the Sharks tend to ask you a question, Jay? Like, why wouldn't the Sharks trade Reimer? Well, they're I not any good, and he's going to walk at the end of the season, most likely, unless you're signing him to a, a two or three year contract. Like, is he isn't he walking at the end of the year anyway? Yeah, probably. I think if you're the Sharks, you're, you you might want to try to sign him because you know what, they don't have a goalie option. So Hapo Kakinen. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is he a, an option? I guess he's an option, but he's a good option. I'm not. Sure. He's good. He's good, and he's way younger. Like he's, he's eight younger. years younger. Like I I, if you're if you're the Sharks though. Could you get more for James Reimer closer to the deadline than you can now? That's probably their thought. I don't. I think the goalie market is purely based on need. You don't know what the market. Maybe no one needs one at the deadline. Yeah, that's fair. I think you strike when the iron's hot. If okay. you're a team that's going to trade a goalie, you see someone that's in need. You know, I'd be calling. Um, I'd be calling Kyle Dubas and saying, "Hey, what are you going to give me for James Reimer?" The Sharks. Yeah. The Sharks need assets, man. They need. They need draft capital. Oh, yeah. But the Leafs don't have a lot right now, right? And if you're Toronto, if Murray, like, if Samsonov's not that serious, you're probably just going to ride it out for a week. Well, it's not really about Samsonov. Is the point of the story is I don't trust Matt Murray, and I don't know why anyone would, yeah. given his injury history in Ottawa. Hit? Right? What are you going to do with his cap? Hit? I think you... I think what's more pressing than worrying about Murray's cap hit is what happens with Jake Muzzin's cap hit because I don't I have serious questions or concerns that Jake Muzzin will play again. Yeah, I would agree. So I would be focusing more on using that LTIR relief than worrying about Murray's. Mm-hmm. Just just my thought. All right, let's move along, wrap this thing up with our Points Bet Canada bonus question. The St. Louis Blues are in the middle of a six-game losing streak. Tonight, they're taking on the Boston Bruins. They're plus 165 underdogs. Your question, do the St. Louis Blues end their losing streak tonight against Boston or tomorrow against Philly, or does it go to eight games, Jason? Well, the Blues, like, they're just happy to be back in the league. It's amazing how few games they've played. Like, they played one game again last week. It's kind of crazy, but um, the Boston Bruins... Man, they're playing really well. 
I think the I think the Blues uh, losing streak ends tomorrow, but continues tonight. I agree, and I think against the Flyers, there's they remember they they were in dead last place in Philly. That was when the the Gloria night happened. And that's when they went on their run. There's something about that. Um, yeah, I'm saying Tuesday. And maybe they'll have Gloria 2.0 and go on a bit of a run. Maybe you'll have to roll over a few bets over on Points Bet Canada. All right. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for this week's edition of Fill in the Blank. Shout out to our friends at DoorDash. Yeah, the Blues are, we were talking about teams at the top of your believer, like the, the Blues, man. I think every, I don't know, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't know if there's anybody who didn't pick them to make the playoffs. Everybody just assume they make the playoffs. It's still very early. They've only played nine games, right? Um, so games played matters to them, but. They, you know, they've struggled mightily, Frank. They, they to me, are, are probably the biggest surprise early, even even more than New Jersey and Seattle at the top. The Blues' struggles are the biggest shock to me. Biggest shock? Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I am more surprised by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. See, because to me, the Blues, like the Blues have been, we win with good defense. The Blues have given up the fifth most goals in the NHL per game right now. Yeah, but That's if you really watched the Blues last year, people would say that the Blues' defense was terrible last year and they were just bailed out by Vili Huso. Yeah, fair, but either way, they've never been like a bottom five team in goals against in a long, long time. Like, I'd probably have to go back to 06, I bet, when they drafted Eric Johnson, probably the last time. Yeah, I mean... Now the Penguins have also hit the skids pretty hard too. Yes, that's that to me is a bigger surprise. They look lost. For some reason, I still think I don't know. Maybe it's because they have Crosby. I I just think Pittsburgh could turn it around like a more than St. Louis right now. Well, they started four zero and one, right? Yeah. So like they gave themselves a little breathing room and cushion to remain in the mix. And yeah. it seems like the Flyers are coming back down to earth a bit too, huh? Yeah, well, we kind of expected that, right? Like you yeah. knew that was gonna, but they'll compete hard. They will, uh, they will compete hard. Uh, no question about it. And Frank, um, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we talked about this briefly, but you know, a, a tough weekend. You know, Colorado looks like they've kind of woken up from their slumber. And all right, here we go. And now Nathan McKinnon has nine points in his last three games. And so, you know, Kale McCarr gets his first goal of the year, and they look like they're rolling again. But man, if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, like. Would you just not overreact this year? Don't make a big coaching change or anything and just say, hey, play it out. And if we end up with Connor Bedard, we end up with Connor Bedard. Mm, probably not. Like, you think these, you've got a bunch of guys right in their prime. Like, are you wasting Zach Wawenski's 25 year old season? Are you wasting Johnny Gaudreau at 29 and Patrick Laine at 24 to do what? But do you think a, do you think a coaching change? I don't know what the answer is, but I, I think, I don't know. Like, remember we had Brad Larson on when he was first hired and we were like, man, the the blue jackets are going to skate through a wall for that guy. I don't know what the reports have been. And I, I should probably check in and do some homework, but the sense is that it's been totally underwhelming to this point. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, they can't they can't stop anything. They're they're giving up four and a half goals uh, per game, second worst in, in the NHL, and then they can't score. They got the second le- uh, fewest goals behind St. Louis. So when you're uh, when you're thirty first in goals for and thirty uh, first in goals against, uh, no surprise you're thirty second in the National Hockey League. And I just maybe maybe it's a coaching change, right? Maybe, but that uh, you know like it might give you a bump. But I guess does it give you enough of a bump? to make it worthwhile. You know, that's my question, I guess. I should word it better. Like, yeah, they could Maybe improve. you should find out. Right. I don't know. Like, okay. I don't think you want to be, like, there's just so much that can happen in the lottery that, and I know this is the one year to, like, to really. But it's not just Bedard. There's, there's That's what I'm saying. Things. This is the one year to maybe really want to be in it with the top three guys that are available, Fantilli and, and also Mitchkoff. But, Jeez, you got to think like at some point, even just by sheer luck, they're going to end up better than Arizona, San Jose, Montreal, maybe Anaheim. Like, are they not like, aren't they just too good to actually be in the mix? Like the last thing you, I think you want to be is, is out of the lottery like somewhat sizably outside of it in the seven, eight, nine range. Well, but not near the playoffs. Like I agree with you on Anaheim, Arizona and San Jose, but is there any other team that's clearly worse? Like who might be? And I'm not sold that those three are clearly worse than Columbus, right? Like I think on paper, those teams are clearly worse than Columbus. And I don't think think it's even Ottawa and Vancouver. They're the other two teams in the bottom five. Do you think those are? Yeah. So that, so at best then Columbus is like fourth. Or at worst, I should say. Are the are the Blue Jackets really better than the Flyers? That's my like. I just think the Flyers have been off to a, a really yeah, yeah. weird hot side. I don't think they are. Yeah. Well, I, I with all their injuries, are the Blue Jackets worse than the Capitals? I don't. I don't know. I don't. Uh, probably not. I don't know if the Caps can fall that far. Right. Like if, if they get like they they've gone oh two and two without Carlson, right? Like they've just had so many injuries. But Carlson maybe doesn't play tonight. He was, you know, looks like he might. So they get him back. You know, that's a big boost to that team. Maybe not enough to get him in the playoffs, but probably enough to keep him ahead of Columbus. Maybe. Yeah. So it's just an interesting one this year. Like, cause and the other thing, Frank, like Barry Trotz won't go to Columbus, right? So um I you don't you're gonna bring in a coach who's a younger coach who you know, I, I don't know if there's any big name guy that's, you know, got, that's got this reputation like a Bruce Boudreaux had in Vancouver to really rally the troops. So and- speaking of um, coaching uh, job security, just seeing here that um, Pierre Dorian publicly backing DJ Smith, in case you were curious, in Ottawa. He said, no need for a vote of confidence. DJ Smith is our coach and he's going to be our coach. And Pierre Dorian also, weirdly enough, referred to himself in the third person. Pierre Dorian is very loyal, said Dorian. Hey, I love the George Costanza, Pierre. Who does it? Now, here's the thing, Frank. We could go through the list of coaches or GMs who were given the, yes, he's not going anywhere, and then within two to three, like, I agree today he's not. But you and I both know in two weeks or three weeks that could change. It's Well, they're only addressing it because he actually was or should be on the hot seat. Yeah. It's only, like you only address it when it actually warrants being addressed. Totally. So, and it means that it's more of a possibility than at any other time. So 
We will see. Uh, we were supposed to have uh, Devin Dubnik, uh, but unfortunately we had some uh, miscommunication. So I think we'll have to uh, reschedule uh, DD for the uh, pod. That'll be a fine for him. Uh, that'll be a big offseason fine for uh, Mr. Dubnik. And uh, we'll have the pod on uh, Friday. Maybe he'll join us then, Frank. Uh, have yourself a good week. Enjoy the heat, man. Isn't like 20-some degrees there? Yeah, 22 degrees Celsius here today in the good old Philadelphia. Yeah, well, it's like minus 12 and snowing. Welcome. But you know what, Frank? Good news. The outdoor rinks will be open very quickly. I love the ODR. Yeah, it's I'll pass on that for this. Oh, love the ODR. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.